Hey, thanks so much for joining us at our Red Rocks Church podcast. If you're new here, we're just a bunch of broken, messed up, imperfect people pursuing a perfect God. We hope that this message encourages your heart, builds your faith so that you can say yes to all of the plans and the purposes of God for your life. Enjoy this message. Welcome to our summer series we're calling Yard Sale. It's gonna be a fun weekend, but it won't be fun unless we welcome everybody that's joining with us. And this weekend, we got everybody joining us right now from the Park Meadows location. We got Lakewood in the house. What's up, Lakewood? We got Arvada, we got Brussels, Belgium. We got our God Behind Bars campuses. Come on, we're so glad that you're joining with us. It's gonna be a really special weekend and I'm pretty fired up for a lot of different reasons. Um, but it's kind of interesting. If you guys um, have recognized, maybe if you've been with us for a while, you recognize the series title, Yard Sale. How many of you know when you stumble upon a good thing, it's worth repeating a good thing? And several years ago, we kicked off this series called Yard Sale, where it gave us the flexibility and the freedom to address a whole bunch of different things that people were uh, had, having questions about, maybe concerns about, things that they were looking into or confused. And it's really going to be an amazing time over the next several weeks as we try to look at God's Word and hit a plethora of different things. If you've ever been to a good yard sale, part of the fun of it is you just never know what you're going to find. And we threw out some questions on social media, and we were just asking people, what are some of the things that you want to hear about? And I gotta admit, I was kind of shocked by some of the responses. Maybe I shouldn't be, but you know, it's summertime, right? We got Corey on the bumper video sipping lemonade and socks and sandals with a Band-Aid on his shin. It feels like summertime. And uh, it was interesting, though, to see some of the responses that came in. I was thinking people were gonna ask about joy and peace, and it's the season of rest, right? It's summertime. And uh, some of the responses that funneled in went a little bit dark, I'm not going to lie. And so people were asking stuff like, can you talk about sin? How many know sin just shouts summer, right? <laughs> can you talk about conviction? Can you talk about how to break out of addiction? Can you talk about what it means to live free? Can you talk about breaking chains, which that's church lingo for like, how do I live free? And it just made me think about kind of this space and place that we try to occupy. Summer is the season of fun and rest and new rhythms and the exhale before entering into the next one. But how many of you know fun isn't fun when you got weight on your heart? 
Have you ever gone on like a vacation and uh, as you're leaving for the vacation, you're leaving a whole bunch of stress behind that for some reason you always just manage to take with you on the trip? It's like you're on vacation, but it doesn't feel like vacation. You're trying to rest, but it doesn't feel restful. Trying to invite peace into your soul, but you can't because you got all this junk that you've left behind you. And it just made me think about, even as it comes to yard sale, on one side, you never know what you're going to find as a consumer, but how many of you know yard sales are really great time to get rid of some junk in your life? And so this weekend, I want to try to help us get rid of the junk in our life, like the stuff that just makes your heart heavy, the stuff that keeps you up at night, the stuff that you just can't seem to let go of the deep shame that you felt around some patterns or behaviors. And I wanna talk this weekend about what it means to be free in Christ. Um, I think that there's a lot of people that you know intuitively when you became a Christ follower and when you put your faith and belief in Jesus, you knew that it was an invitation into peace and freedom and life to the full. But I think if we're really honest, there's still some questions in our hearts. And so I want to reach some of the underlying questions. I don't know if you've ever felt this, but the title of my message this weekend is this question. What do I do if I don't feel free? Do I got any Jesus followers that have ever asked that? Like, I know I'm supposed to be free, but I don't feel free. The patterns in my life remind me of that, that I'm more bound than I am free. I feel more shameful than I do liberated. And so I want to take a look at what scripture has to say about that, because we know intuitively to be a Jesus follower, to put our faith in him is this invitation to what John 10, 10 says, life and life to the fullest. So I want to take a look in a unique way at what scripture has to say about it. And I got to just forewarn you, scripture has a lot to say about sin. What the amazing thing about this book is, is from the first page to the last page, it is either foreshadowing um, a Jesus or a savior to come, or it is telling of his life, or it is telling the fruit of what Jesus did and what he offered to human beings around the world. And what's amazing is that this whole book is the remedy to man's condition that we entered in all the way back to the very first book of the Bible. It was man saying yes to sin and opening up the floodgates to this new condition, this new way of being human that was never intended by God. And this book is the story that tells how the savior of the universe made right the brokenness of your condition and my condition. This is a book about a savior dealing with a problem called sin. And so I might still get really excited as we talk about sin. I actually really like talking about sin because I'm a sinner and I needed a savior. And this book tells me about the savior and all the fruits and the benefits and the blessings for my life. With that said, pull out some notebooks, pull out your phone. I want you to write down these passages because we're going to hit a bunch of scripture. I'm going to say some things that might sound lavish. Um, it, it might be confusing. It might be new to you. And I want you to be able to go back to God's word and realize, oh, God's word says this. And Ronnie didn't just lead us on this rabbit trail. Okay. Capiche? 
kaposh. Listen to that. Hey, let's pray at all of our locations and everybody joining us online. God, we just commit our lives to you. God, I have so much excitement in my heart to share the greatest story ever written. And God, it's so much more than a story. It's really a, God, a a telling of the reality that we get to live in as humans. God, it is the liberation for the human soul. God, I pray today for people with heavy hearts. Would you give them ears wide open? Holy Spirit, as we look to your word, God, your word can be complex and confusing and make it true to us today. God, open up our minds, help us to understand, to perceive, to to comprehend the depths of your love and the depths of the grace that you gave to us today. And God, I pray that people would leave here today with a sure and solid, unshakable hope in what you've done for us. And we pray all these things in the precious name of Jesus and everybody watching around the world said, Amen, amen, amen. If you got your Bibles, we're going to kick things off in John chapter 8. John chapter 8. And I wanted to bring up this story because it kind of gives us a little insight into this sin situation. How many of you know, um, if we're going to take a look at what it means to be free in Christ, we have to know what did Christ come to free us from? Is that an appropriate assumption? Because if we don't know what he came to free us from, we will never understand freedom, and we will leave here with just confused ideas of what does it really mean to be free. And so this story in particular is amazing because it, it, it helps us see how Jesus addresses sin in the lives of human beings. And it's kind of shocking. So just to give a little context to this story, Jesus is returning back to the temple to teach some people. He sits down, begins teaching them. And then something begins to happen. The religious leaders come dragging this woman into the center of the crowd. And they they direct themselves to Jesus and they say, Jesus, we just found this lady caught in the act of adultery. Somebody say, "Uh uh-oh. They caught her in the act. Not hearsay. Nobody texted him and told him something was happening. Like they caught her in the act and they bring her before Jesus and they say, Jesus, we found this woman in the act of adultery. The law, the religious law says that she is deserving of death. And then they pitch a question that's amazing. They say, but what do you say, good teacher? Now, this question is really important. If you want to know how God looks at sinners it'd be pretty good to lean in in this conversation. And this is where we're going to pick up. John 8, chapter 7, it says this. They kept demanding an answer from Jesus. So he, meaning Jesus, stood up again and said, all right, but let the one who has never sinned throw the first stone. Let the one who has never sinned throw the first stone. Verse 8 says, then he stooped again and wrote in the dust. Watch this. Verse 9 says, when the accusers heard this, you can circle that in your Bible. When the accusers heard this, it says that they slipped away one by one. Watch this. Beginning with the oldest. How many of you know you live for a little while and you know that you done screwed up a many a times? The oldest went first, the smarter ones, until only Jesus was left in the middle of the crowd with the woman. 
And then he asked this question. Jesus stood up again and said to the woman, where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? Verse 11, she responds, no, Lord. And Jesus said, neither do I. Go and sin no more. So picture this in your mind's eye. You got a crowd of people. This woman caught in the very act of sin. She is face to face with Jesus, the savior of the universe. And Jesus says, where are your accusers now? Didn't even one of them accuse you? And she said, no. And Jesus looks this woman in the face and says, neither do I. And then he sends her with a common phrase that he uses all throughout the New Testament, go and sin no more. Now, this is where kind of the story wraps up. Jesus finishes up, sends her away, and begins teaching some more to the people. But I read this story, and I go, go and sin no more. Like, did she do it? Like, did she pull it off? Like, did she really leave and then never sin again? But the Bible doesn't tell us. Why wouldn't the Bible tell us? Like, I wish there was kind of like this director's cut extended edition that like gives us the story of her life and what happened afterwards, because I want to know, did she pull it off? Like, did she actually do it? He said, go and sin no more. And it leads us to believe like she went and did it. And I've heard this passage preached and preachers will go, if you have an encounter with God that is genuine, you won't crave sin any longer. And as a young Christian, I went, yeah, and fire would burn in my heart for God. And about 14 minutes later, I found myself in sin again, going, my encounter with Jesus wasn't genuine. I got a question for us. Because I've had questions around this passage so much, going, did she pull it off? And then Jesus complicates things. Don't you hate when he does that? Go down a few verses later, John 8, 36, and then Jesus addresses the crowd after sending this woman away. And he says this, so if the son sets you free, you will be free, what? Indeed. Indeed. Now, that complicates it for me. It takes out all of my, like, leaning in and adding presuppositions and my own opinions. He says, he who the son sets free is free indeed. Now, let me ask you a question. This is going to take some crowd participation. Are we all in for some crowd participation? You can warm up your shoulders. It's going to be tough. I'm going to ask you to just raise a hand. So just get ready for that. So this woman has an encounter with Jesus. She leaves. God says, go and sin no more. And then later he says, he who the son has set free is free indeed. Now, the question that I have for you is for all of the Jesus followers, the people that have placed their faith in Jesus, how many of you have sinned since encountering Jesus, since putting your faith in Jesus? If your hands aren't up, nudge your neighbor, because they is a liar. <laughs> all right, do this for me. Keep them up. Keep them up at all locations. Keep them up. Keep them up. Keep them up. Now look around the room real fast. Uh-oh. 
So I want you to see this. We all raise our hand. The Bible says that we all have sinned and fall short the glory of God. All. We all just raised our hand since our time of encountering Jesus, putting our faith and hope in Jesus as the savior of our souls. We have all sinned since then. And if we're really honest, probably a whole bunch. So what is wrong with when Jesus says, he who the son sets free is free indeed, meaning indefinitely, meaning final, it is done. We all just raised our hand. Are any of you as confused as me? If the son sets us free, but we don't feel free, why ain't we free? Because here's the dilemma. We all do things that we don't want to do, right? And even the very things that we want to do, we can't quite seem to pull it off. And the Bible says that he who the Son has set free is free indeed. So what do I do when I don't feel free? I want to pose this question because this is the tension that we find in our hearts. This is why shame is produced when you do fail, when you do fall, because you go, I didn't do it right. I did it again. My years of history tell me, am I ever going to be free from this? Have you ever felt that from sin patterns in your life? Am I ever going to be free? Because you said that you're going to set me free indeed, and I don't feel free. We all face this dilemma that we seem to not be able to do the very thing that we want to do. Now, this is where we're going to go fast and furious through some scriptures to give a perspective of what has happened since Jesus died on the cross, because here's the question. If none of us feel free, did Jesus get it wrong, or do we not understand what Jesus is talking about when he says that you are free indeed? Get your fingers ready, get your Bibles ready, get your cell phones ready. We're gonna go fast and furious because here's something, this is probably one of the most identifiable verses and chapters in all of scripture for me. It's the Apostle Paul writing. I'm gonna say that again. It's the Apostle Paul writing. And this is in Romans 7.15. Tell me if this doesn't sound like me and it doesn't sound like you. He says this, I do not understand what I do. Right there, anybody like, yep, I've been there before. I do not know why I keep doing this. I don't know why I say stuff like that. I don't know why I have all this dysfunction. He says, for what I want to do, I do not do. Yep. But what I hate, I do. So I'm like, yes, this is like me. This is like my testimony. This is exactly me. What I don't want to do, I do all the time. And the things that I want to do, I can't quite seem to do. This is the dilemma in the human soul. Verse 18, jump down a few verses. He says, for I know that good itself does not dwell in me. That is in my sinful nature, AKA the very nature, the natural part of me, my natural desires and inclinations, the things that I long for, the things that I repeat, they don't even have good in them. And then he goes on, for I have the desire to do what is good. I would say that's probably true for all of us. But he says, I cannot carry it out. Circle that word, cannot. 
Can I just tell you that the very good things in your heart, you don't have the willpower enough to carry it out. You, you don't even have the ability to do what is right hardwired in you. You, you, you will find yourself around every bend in your story going, I, I failed again, I screwed up again, I made another mistake, I cannot carry it out. Verse 19, for I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do, this I keep doing. This is me. Verse 24, listen to the language that he puts around him as a human. He says, what a wretched man I am. And then he asks the trillion dollar question, who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? When he says, who will rescue me, it infers I cannot save myself. I cannot do this on my own. I need to be rescued. Can I tell you this morning, you need to be rescued. You cannot do it on your own. And so if you have failed, let me just say God's word is true. Cannot do it on my own. And then verse 25, he gives us the remedy. He says, thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. So the question is, delivers him from what? He says, I am wretched. I am disgusting. I am broken. I can't do the things I want to do. I only do the things that I hate. Who will deliver me from this? Who will deliver me from this situation that produces death in my body and in my soul? And he says, thanks be to God, he will deliver me from wretched to righteous. Now, we're going to look at scripture. I'm not just going to preach this at you, but here's what I want you to see. Because of what Jesus did upon the cross, for every person who puts their faith in Jesus, God changes the way that he looks at your sin directly. It's going to get some people going, wait a second. Because of what Jesus did upon the cross, if your faith is in what he did, God changes the way that he looks at your sin. And let me say this, because of your faith in Jesus and what he did upon the cross, it changes the way that he works freedom into your life. So let's take a look. We're going to go fast and furious. Listen to this, Hebrews 8, 12. It's going to be on the screens, but write it down because I want you to read it later. Listen to what he says to these believers. People who have put their faith in Jesus. Hebrews 8, 12 says, for I will forgive their wickedness. Come on, somebody. And I will remember their sins no more. Somebody at our Vada campus right now is clapping. Lakewood's losing their mind. Park Meadows is doing laps around the room. This is good news. Now, here's what's crazy. God is what the Bible calls omnipotent. He has all power. He is omniscient, meaning he has all knowing. He knows everything. The Bible says that he knows the number of days you will live, the number of breaths you will breathe, the number of hairs on your head. For some of you bald fellers in here going, that didn't take very long to count all those up. <clears throat> Just joking. I love you so much. 
He, he knows the plans that he has for you. He knows the number of your days. God knows everything, but when it comes to your sin, God, knowing everything, has to make a conscious decision to not count your sins, to not remember your sins. This was a willful choice. It's not like he goes, man, the campus pastor at Littleton, Pastor Conrad, sins so much, I can't remember it, so we built a database to just take track of it with technology. I got angels tallying it up for me so I don't have to remember it. He's got so many. This is God speaking. He has all power and he's all knowing. He made a conscious decision to no longer remember the sins of those who put their faith in Jesus Christ. For anybody that's got a track record like me, this is really, really, really good news. And it gives us a glimpse into what it means to be free. I will remember their sins no more. Here's a question for you. And I'm going to create some awkward silence for you to think about it. What is sin to God if he doesn't remember it? I want you to think. What is sin to God if he doesn't even keep account of it for the believer? Follow-up question. If God doesn't remember your sins... Why do we spend so much time in turmoil over it? Friends, this is why shame is so real. Our soul wants to punish us for our wrong behavior. God didn't wire us to be punished based upon what we do. God has liberated the human heart. He has liberated every person that puts their faith in Jesus Christ. And so shame is a byproduct of not walking or thinking or believing the way that Jesus Christ intended us to. And so shame sets in where we go, I got to punish myself for what I've done. Why am I so stupid? Why can't I just stop? Why can't I fix this situation? Why can't I cut out this behavior? Jesus is going, because you need a savior. You weren't designed to be your own savior. You weren't designed to do life without me. You need me. I'm the remedy and the solution. It's your soul letting you know, "Uh uh-oh, we got a problem unless somebody figures this out for us. I will remember your sins no more. We're going to continue on. Ephesians 2.8 keeps getting gooder and gooder and gooder. Ephesians 2, verse 8, for it is by grace, everybody say grace, Grace. that you have been saved. Saved from what? The Bible says that Jesus Christ came to save sinners from their sin. You have been saved from your sin. You have been saved from your sin. I'm going to unpack what that means. It is by grace that you have been saved through faith. Faith in who? Faith in Jesus Christ and the work that he did. That is how we are saved. And this is not from yourself. You don't have to save yourself. You don't have to save yourself from your sin. Jesus did that. You don't have to save yourself from death and decay. Jesus did that. You don't have to save yourself from condemnation and shame. Jesus did that. It is not from you. It is the gift of God, he said. In verse 9, it is not by your works. 
None. So that no one can boast. What happens when nobody can boast? You have to find somebody else to boast in. And God's going, I am deserving of all of the glory, all of the praise, all of the honor. I'm going to remove every ability that you go, I did part of it. I did some of it. He's going, no, you didn't. It's all me. But how many of you know you only work on somebody's behalf for free and give them gifts for free if you love them? So what you and I boast in is a God that works on our behalf and that loves us so, so much. That is what I boast in as a believer. So he says, so that no one can boast. Let me ask you a question. When we think of the word saved, we also think when he saves me, he is going to, by nature, automatically save me from these behaviors. Let me tell you what God saved us from. God didn't save us from our behaviors, the sinful behaviors. He saved us from the penalty and the punishment that they are due. So when you do wrong by nature, it produces death in your soul. It produces death in your body and separates you from God. God said, I don't want it to be that way. I'm going to save you from that. So that even in your sin, you could have relationship with me, life to the full in me, freedom from the penalty and the punishment that you're due in me. This is what God saved us from. Because the Bible says that apart from Jesus Christ, as sinners, we stand separated from God. Ephesians says that we are objects of wrath apart from our belief in Jesus Christ, meaning that we are enemies to God, meaning Jesus wanted to save us and we remain in our sin. We're going, I don't need a savior. I could do it on my own. You want to talk about an enemy of God, that is an enemy of God, someone that says, I don't need you. I can create and produce life and life to the full apart from you, friends. That's what it means to be an enemy of God. But because of Jesus, because of a simple putting your faith in what he has done, all of these benefits come and now you and I are saved from the penalty and the punishment of our wrongdoings. So the question consists, why then is sin the object of many of our affection? It consumes the thoughts of our mind. It feels like it's the greatest battle in our lives that we have to face. We're challenging, wielding the sword against sin. Now, before I sound heretical, I want to teach us how we overcome sin in light of the grace of God. Are we cool with that? Are you guys tracking with what I'm saying? Because it's about to get real good because there's some of you that are listening going, yeah, 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 sounds really good, but I don't know that this is for me. Well, let me just give you a verse so that you can take this home with you and convince yourself later. First John chapter two, verse one. He says, my dear children, he's speaking to the church. I write this to you so that you will not sin. So the goal is for Christians to not sin. But look what he goes on to say. But, thank God for some buts in the Bible. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, 
Jesus Christ, the righteous one. Notice it's capital righteous. He is the only righteous one. He holds the title. He holds it all. He is the righteous one. And verse two says, he is the atoning sacrifice, meaning he was the payment for all of our sins. And watch this. And not only for your sins, but also for the sins of the whole world. Friends, this is just a reiteration of John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his son. He says, not only did I save you, but I, I died as, a, as the, the penalty and the payment for the sins of the entire world. Friends, this is why this is good news for us to communicate. Because we can go into a, a dying, broken, sinful, shame-filled world, and we can go, there is a Jesus who paid the price for you so that you could live life and life to the full. All that you have to do is put your faith and your belief in what he did upon the cross and that he changed your narrative forever. Let me tell you how this bears fruit in your life because some of you are going, wait, 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 wait. Isn't our job to battle sin? Let me just, we'll get, we'll, we'll go there right now. Is that okay? We'll go there right now. So I wanna give you just kind of two different ways of looking at this. Living in this world, we have what I'm calling the world's system. Everybody track him, the world's system. This is the prevailing thought in our culture, and it's been the prevailing thought since the beginning of time. Here's what the world's system says. The world's system says, I am what I have done. This is why we attribute titles to people, good or bad. We attribute them as successful, because what they have done appears to be successful. We, we call people alcoholics. We call people abusers. We call people angry. We call people addicts. We call people ex-convicts. We call people fill in the blank. We have titles that we attribute to what they have done, and it almost becomes their identity. This is why this is so perverted and false in light of God's word. Look at God's system that he's trying to reinforce to us. God's system says, you are not what you have done, you are what I have done. Everything about you is correlated and connected to what God has done, what you were unable to do on your own. God says, I'm gonna send my son to do it all for you. And then when you put your belief in him, the Bible says in 1 John chapter 4 that just as Christ was in this life, so are you, believer in Jesus Christ. That's crazy. That doesn't even make sense. It means that when God looks at you because of your faith in Jesus and nothing else, when he sees you, he sees the perfection of his son, not your sinful batting average. This is the good news of Jesus. You are not what you have done or what you have failed to do. You are what he has done. This is why it's so important because freedom, friends, was never supposed to be connected to your behavior. Freedom was supposed to be your identity. Now I'm gonna unpack that because the Bible says there's a term that's used all throughout scripture. It says that we were slaves to sin. Now, let me ask you a question. If you try to do behavior modification with a slave and you say, someone that's a slave to sin, just go and act free. I don't understand what the deal is. 
go and act free. It doesn't matter how much their behavior changes, they're still a slave. And at some point, the slave master is going to get them back in line to do the duties of a slave. The apostle Paul says, you guys are like slaves to sin, meaning that you can't just tell them, change your behavior, and then you'll be different. For the life of the believer, you can't just change your behavior and then be different. In order for this slave to change its behavior, the person who is a slave to sin has to be liberated from his bondage of slavery to sin. And the only person that can do that is a person that has authority over them. So by nature, freedom for the slave to sin is someone who has authority over them going, you are free functionally. You are free positionally, and now freedom is the truest thing about you. So when I say freedom is an identity, what, what happened when Jesus went to the cross, Romans 10, 9 says, if you confess or if you declare or receive that Jesus Christ is Lord, meaning he is over you, and you believe that God raised his son from the dead, meaning what he did upon the cross is connected to you. You get the fruit of it. Now we're seeing a picture of what it means, the Bible says, then you will be saved. So we have a picture of a Lord, someone who is over us, the one who can determine whether we are a slave or free. He says, you are free because of what my son did on the cross. Friends, here's why this is so important. If you just try to go and change your behavior, you are still a slave. That's why people that try to be free without Christ never get free. So what he says is, as you step and in, in function as someone who is free, you will begin to learn what it means to walk as a free person. We have people from our God Behind Bars locations that have been incarcerated for 10, 15, 20. We can clap for that. We love you. If you're watching from God Behind Bars, we're praying for you. We believe in you. God has great plans for you. He is not finished. But they're coming out of incarceration for maybe a decade or more, and they come back into life and try to reacclimate into freedom. And they have such a hard time. They go, when I was incarcerated, we didn't have cell phones. Like getting a job is so different. I don't even know how to use the internet to get a job. Like things have changed. But what's most important is now that they are no longer locked up and in bondage, they are now free. And so what happens is now that they are functionally free, they're going to begin to figure out what it means to live like a free person. This is the invitation of Jesus. He says, listen, apart from your works, you were never intended to get your identity from what you do. You were supposed to get your identity from me. So when the Bible says because of what Jesus did, you are perfect. It's an identity statement. When he says you are blameless, identity. You are holy, identity. You are forgiven and set free, identity. I function from that place as though I am what he says I am, first and foremost. Then I begin to learn what it means to actually walk in that. Friends, this is a completely way, different way of looking at things. Freedom is not an identity, is an identity issue, not a behavioral issue. 
Hebrews 10, verse 14, and band, you can come up. It'll help me wrap up because I can just, I'll go for another hour. You guys got it in you, right? <clears throat> Hebrews 10, watch this. We're gonna go fast and furious. Hebrews 10, for by one's sacrifice, he has made perfect, everybody say perfect, perfect. has made, that's perfect tense, meaning he already has done it and it's gonna continue, made perfect, who? Those who are being made holy. Now, this is what the Bible talks about. First, positionally, he says, believer in Jesus Christ, you are perfect. That is your identity. Those who are being made, that is a process, holy. Friends, it starts with identity, and I promise you, God will then begin, God will begin to work out your behaviors so that you begin to live like him. But it starts with identity. Romans 5.1 says, Therefore, since we have been made, past tense, been made right in God's sight, not in your sight, not in the world's sight, not in your family's sight, not in your friend's sight, since you've been made right in God's sight, the one that really matters, by faith. Faith in what? Jesus Christ. We have peace with God. Isn't that what we want? I want peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done, period. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into the place. Who has brought us there? Christ has brought us into the place of undeserved privilege. Some of your translations will say into the place of grace. Where we now what? Not moving. It's where I stay. I stay in the place of grace. I stay in the place of undeserved privilege. I remain here. This is where I belong. No matter what judgment comes my way, condemnation comes my way, I belong here. Why? Because in his sight, I have been made perfect. It's where we stand. And watch this. We confidently, we all want confidence and joyfully. We want more joy. Look forward to sharing in God's glory. Meaning that the place that I stand, I can expect with confidence for God to pour out great things on my life. Friends, this is going to make you more confident in everything that you do. I'm expecting in my life for God to favor me. I'm expected in my life for God to open up doors and to bless me. I'm expected in my life to walk with confidence in every moment. I'm, I'm expecting for him to give me joy and to give me wisdom when I lack it, to give me peace when my soul is troubled, to heal me when I'm hurting and broken. I expect it. Why? Because I belong in this space. Friends, I just want to tell you, you belong here. And it has nothing to do with your works. It has everything to do with the kindness of a loving Father that says you're broken and incapable of doing this on your own. And I hate that because I want to enjoy you. And I know that you're going to love enjoying me. So I'm going to remove everything that's kept us separated. This only happens through faith in Jesus Christ. Would you stand up at all of our locations if you're able? I just want to just declare some truth over you. I want to create some space for God to work deeply in your soul. 
I want some of you to just exhale this weekend. The pressure is off. The Bible says that the yoke that God provides, our place of working is light and easy. And then he invites us, come walk with me and work with me and I will show you the unforced rhythms of grace, Matthew 11:28. 28. He's inviting us into this space of living freely and lightly. Your freedom is not contingent upon your behavior. If it is, that's a twisted way for people to find their identity. And a God that loves you is gonna wanna anchor your identity in something that is immovable. And so he said, I'm gonna put my stamp on it. I'm gonna do what you couldn't on your own. And I'm gonna transform you from the basis of identity. Friends, your identity in Christ is the truest thing about you. Come on, at every location, would you bow your head and I wanna pray for us. God, I just pray and declare freedom in this place. Freedom in this place. God, break off just the burdens of our shame from our behaviors, from our decisions, from our routines, from our addictions. God, he whom the Son has set free, you are free indeed. And so Jesus, we embrace what you did upon the cross. We embrace you as Lord being over us. God, only you can change our identity and move us from a slave to sin to freedom in Christ. So God, today with open arms and undeserved hearts, God, we just embrace the freedom that you've given to us. Today, God, I pray that people would leave with an unshakable sense that they are free indeed. They are perfect in your sight. They have the same righteousness as Christ Jesus. They are whole and being made holy day by day. God, change us from the basis of our identity. And God, I just want to pray right now for every person that has never placed their faith in Jesus Christ. This is step one in you beginning to change us from the inside out. If you have never placed your faith in Jesus Christ, that the work that he did covers over all of your sins, that he is the way to, to, for you to have life and life to the full in heaven forever. I just want to do something really quickly with every head bowed and every eye closed across all of our locations and around the world. If that's you, if you go, I just want to receive this free gift of grace, would you just slip your hand up? Come on, amen, 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 amen. Praise God, praise God. Keep your hand, wave it high. This is nothing more than just a symbol of what God's doing on the inside. Amen, you can put your hand down and I wanna pray for you. The Bible says in Romans 10, chapter nine, that if you confess with your mouth, meaning if you acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord over your life, and you believe in your heart, I mean truly believe that what he did upon the cross, all the benefits of that are extended to you. The Bible says you will be saved. It's that simple. He's not waiting for you to clean yourself up before you come here. He says, I'll take care of the cleaning up. Just get here. So God, I pray right now for every person that is now putting their faith in what you have done upon the cross. Jesus, you are our hope. We needed saving, and Jesus, you are the perfect savior. We were sick, and we needed a remedy. We were broken, and we needed mending, and what you did upon the cross was exactly the solution we needed. And so God, I pray today, from day one of some people's walks with you, God, would you solidify their identity? They are free. They are set apart. They are whole, complete, and righteous in your sight from this day forward. And we just join today with all of heaven at all of our locations as we celebrate the life change that is taking place. 
Come on, Red Rocks, this is why we worship. This is why we create moments together to celebrate the goodness of Jesus. We are undeserving. We are broken and hurting and dying, but Jesus Christ. So today, let's just lift up a, a cry of praise to him. Let's lift up some worship to him and exalt him for the free gift that he gave us. Your, your freedom is not contingent upon your behavior. Your freedom is your identity. Take it, bury it deep into your soul, and let's worship. <laughs> 